0: Hello, my friends. This is Nathan Crankfield, your homie, your host, your boy. Today's podcast is fire. It's been about a year uh, since we quasi started Seeking Excellence. I don't consider it our real founding. It's kind of like our shadow founding back in the day. So today we kind of talked through some of that stuff. It's fun uh, just kind of reminiscing and going through that journey. Um, Give a lot of shout outs to people who helped along the way. and uh, But more importantly, today's really about uh, fearing the plateau in our lives, right? So all of us can kind of get caught up in this um, this plateau, right? Of, of just falling back into normalcy. Now that Easter's over, Lent is over. Um, Easter's not over, but Lent is over. You know, uh, we kind of just fall into this like time of normalcy. But that's what we love, right? That's what seeking excellence is all about. We're in, we're made seeking excellence is made for the ordinary time. So how are you seeking excellence in the ordinary time now? That's what we're going to talk about today. So I hope you're excited we're going to dive into it this is a great one to listen to if you have time to actually like sit down and think about it um or at least like jot down some of the questions that i ask and i really encourage you to just pray with those and everything so hope you enjoy it and uh, god bless you
1: you were never out of the fight you were created for a time such as this you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He's appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin Seeking Excellence.
0: What's going on, my people? This is your boy, Nick Crankfield. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence podcast. I feel like it's been a while since I solo recorded. I don't know how long it's been. And I know it hasn't been that long, only a couple of weeks, I think. But still, I miss it when I don't do it, man. I love doing this stuff. So, hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> if you weren't listening, I wouldn't be doing it. And then I would just have to rant all of these thoughts to Emily. And so she's exceptionally grateful for for all of you tuning into the CES List Podcast. And just want to give a quick shout out to just all of you who have left us a review. Really appreciate that. We continue to climb in those numbers as well, which is going to help us long term to climb in podcast rankings and things like that. So thank you for those who even just click the the little five star review, um, you know, and just leave us a review on that. Or if you leave a written one, that's extra helpful and always appreciated. Uh, And just thank you to everybody who shared it so far. You know, this today, I'm going to kind of go through some, a little bit of seeking excellence history before I get into the the meat and potatoes of today's message, before I get into what the real content of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, So I think it's just a good time to just kind of reflect and and think about all of these things. So it's kind of crazy. I'm going to go through like the the founding story of seeking excellence today. And it's it's really fun because uh, on April 16th, which I'm thinking now, is Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. On Friday is going to be a year since we did our first event. Uh it really wasn't even Seeking Excellence at the time. We didn't really launch as Seeking Excellence, I don't think, until the the second event that we did, which is crazy to think about too. Uh, with the homie Crow, Caroline Rose Owens. And so it's really fun to think about the fact that it's been that long. It's been almost uh yeah, it's been almost a year since we since we kind of kicked all of this off, which is really weird. You know, it's kind of hard to recognize like when did we start, when did everything launch, because we have such an interesting kind of like intricate, I guess, like story of how it all began. But um, we're gonna break down some of that stuff, talk about the last year, and so really, kind of all goes back to I, I always give a shout out to Father Jacob Willig when I tell the story because he was he was instrumental in the in the foundings of it. And just kind of starting everything off with Seeking Excellence, because he was my spiritual director at the time in Cincinnati. I was living in Cincinnati, working for the Dynamic Catholic Institute as a parish consultant. And it was around, I want to say November, December of 2019, that Father Jacob was like, hey, man, he was like, I'm doing uh, Exodus 90, getting ready for that, kicking off in January. He's like, have you ever done it before? Have you ever considered doing it? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've thought about it a lot. I've considered it. If you don't know what Exodus 90 is, it is a haul. So Exodus 90 is a spiritual exercise that lasts for 90 days, believe it or not. And um, it's really, really awesome, but it's really, really hard. And so it, it's, it has profound impacts on people's lives. It's, it's for men. It's a spiritual exercise for men. They actually adapted it and started uh, Fiat 90 here at Benedictine College uh, while Emily was here. So she was instrumental in that kind of getting kicked off. But uh, Exodus 90 is just, it's just a lot of, uh, prayer, fasting and almsgiving and, uh, kind of like an extended, much harder to Lent. And it can be doubled. And that's how we did it that year in 2020, which you just kind of doubled it with Lent that year. So you started like, I think it was January 11th and then ended on Easter. And so that was cool. That was a lot of fun, right? So he, he told me to do that. And so I asked some guys at work at Dynamic Catholic, would you be willing to do this with me? And they said, yes. So we started off, uh, doing exodus 90 right so one of the guys in my exodus 90 group who's now on our board bill baird shout out to bill baird who's probably listening to this while he's on a walk right now and getting after it so bill um while we're doing exodus 90 it obviously like things start shutting down right the pandemic's hitting and uh things are just kind of breaking apart everything's closing down i remember i had just flown from austin to philly visited lucas walschlager who's also on our team in philadelphia then drove home to harrisburg And it was like, everything was canceled. And that flight from Austin to Philly was like crazy. It was super empty and it was just really weird. And uh, yeah, so it was just kind of wild, right? But anyways, so I get home and like things are kind of canceled. And then comes like March, the next couple of weekends, I was supposed to go to, I think it was Boston first. I was supposed to speak at a men's conference in Boston um, with Scott Landry, my boss at Dynamic Catholic. He was running this uh, men's conference there and he uh the next weekend i was supposed to go to my boy mike solomon who's the tennis coach at belmont abbey in charlotte north carolina my favorite city in america i was supposed to go there and speak and so i was bummed you know i'm just like man what the heck uh these like two speaking events i've never been to boston always wanted to go and then charlotte's like my favorite place and i have a bunch of homies down there dan shannon who's also on our team um and i'm just like man this sucks like what happened and so Bill Baird has this idea that he's like, hey, you know, we should have um we should like all kind of break up in our Exodus 90 group and try to have an event for men. Like he's like, we could do like a Zoom call, you could pray the rosary, whatever you want to do, on championship night for the final four. So if you know final four usually happens right around Easter. We just had the championship uh a week, a week ago. Yeah, a week ago, right? The national championship eight days ago, whatever. Um for Baylor handled Gonzaga. That was crazy. I hope you watched it because it was a lot of fun. It actually wasn't that good of a game because it was just, they got so dominated. It was really weird. But anyways, the national championship had gotten canceled. So we're like, you know, men are going to be free during that time because they were planning on watching the national championship. In March Madness, the whole tournament was canceled. So they're like, Bill said, why don't we try to do something? And I love that, you know, because that's like the definition, practical example of spiritual multiplication, right? Is to say, okay, we've been growing together all this time now it's time that we branch out and we start to impact some other people's lives. Right. And so I'm all about it. I'm like, this is great. Love this. Let's do it. And so uh, he goes ahead and we, we start like kind of branching out brainstorming. What are we going to do? What can we do? And it was awesome. And so we do that. And uh, what I did that night was I had my, my boy, Alessandro DeSanto, one of the co-founders of Halo, the Halo prayer app. We go back, we, we were high school friends uh we go back to our our wild and rowdy days together and uh i had father jay horning out in the archdiocese of indianapolis he's at fort wayne um in fort wayne indiana he's an awesome guy saint vincent de paul parish up there awesome parish uh we we did like a little men's event and the three of us gave a talk like 20 minutes or so and then we kind of called it and then i realized after i did that you know we had like 50 guys or something on there i think 40 guys and I was like, you know, what I did in college, how I kind of started speaking was I gave a talk. I got asked to give my testimony once. And so I did that. And then because I did that decently well, one of the RAs there asked me to give a talk on perseverance at some event for her, you know, she's putting on a program. And so I'm like, sure, I'll do that. And then people were kind of like, people who had come to both were like, when's your next talk going to be? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Whenever everybody asked me and people kept asking, kept asking. And so I was like, I don't need somebody else to tell me to do this. Right. Like I, I've always been more of an activator struggle with the follow through, but great to get anything started. Right. It's my strength. So I'm like, let's just start doing talks. Let's just start getting after it. And so we start giving talks on like a bi-week. It was like every other week, two weeks to four weeks, basically. Right. And so I would have typically I had my, my homie, Haley Tomlinson, uh, who's a lacrosse player. She ended up being a focus missionary. Um, this is my junior year of college at Mount St. Mary's university. And so we start giving talks and, and Haley comes with me and I have her give her testimony. Then I share like a topic, uh, a talk on a topic, like a theme that I pull out of the, the girl's testimony. So it's typically a female athlete. Danielle Cummings did one with me. Um, I'm trying to remember who else spoke with me there, but it was a blast. And we would just do them kind of regularly. And we just kind of throw them together. The, the only time we'd advertise really was like after mass, I'd make an announcement sometimes. And we'd have anywhere from like 80 to 100 people show up. So I was like, I can do that now, the beginning of the pandemic, before we all hated Zoom. I was like, I can do that online. And not only can I do that online, but I can do it with anybody, right? Like you don't have to be in the same city, the same town. So it was really convenient. So I was just like, let's just start doing these things. And then my friend Joe Quinn, who worked at uh, Dynamic Catholic and was, um, he kind of he was in our Exodus 90 group. And he actually had the idea of doing, he called them holy happy hours. He had been talking about doing these things with his friends and this and that. And so I was like, I'm going to steal. I'm not afraid to plagiarize, right? Never have been. So I'm like, Joe, I'm taking that, I'm taking that title. We're going to start doing these holy happy hours. So we started doing holy happy hours about um, April. Yeah. April 16th was the first one. April 16th, we knock out our first holy happy hour. And I have my dear friend, Michaela Robinson, the artist formerly known as Michaela Rogers, on uh, with my friend Michael uh, Caraway, Father Michael Carraway down in Louisiana. And so we have, we have that on, the crazy story with that one was I had emailed, I, I messaged this flyer that we made for this out to hundreds of people, right? And so there's a few funny stories that come along with that, right? So one of the stories is that one of those people who I, I messaged this out to and started a conversation with at that time was uh, Emily Marie Harpole right and so if you know that that was the beginning of a long journey for us to get to where we are today more coming on that later we're going to podcast this weekend and talk about our story and how we went from that Instagram DM to being engaged now and uh, which is which is funny in and of itself but I also emailed it to a bunch of different people one of whom was Father Mike Schmitz who actually joined the 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 stream and I messaged him during he, he told me he would try to make it if he could. And so Father Mike actually joins, and this is a webinar, right? So you can't see anybody's faces or anything. So Father Mike joins the thing, and I see his name, Mike Schmitz, in the in the people who are on, and I'm messaging Michaela. Michaela's geeking out, right? Because she she went first, and I was going last, I think. No, Father Michael Caraway was going last, and so I'm in the middle. But Michaela was going, and I'm messaging her this stuff, and she's like freaking out, right? And I'm super excited, but I'm trying to message Father Mike. Uh, father mike schmitz and i'm like i'm like dude like will you come on and talk about some stuff because half of my talk was based on father mike schmitz i was talking about him and michael scott which just felt fitting you know to talk about the two of them together because he's also a big office guy and so i was talking about scott's tots that night and a bunch of stuff that i learned from father mike and how they related to each other uh in one way or another and so i'm messaging him and it wasn't until father michael Caraway started going that father mike finally responded and was like oh man i'm so sorry i gotta go soon but you know Uh, I'm sorry that I missed this. I didn't see the chat the whole time, whatever. So missed out. But the coolest part about that night was Father Mike Schmitz listened to me talk about Father Mike Schmitz, which was one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, (laughs) It was really cool and fun. Um, Super random, though. But Father Mike did join that first Hour, which was insane. And so we started doing that. Now, one thing that I forgot to mention that's kind of pivotal to the story is at the beginning of Exodus 90, I committed to writing every week. And so this was something that I did when I started doing when I was in Afghanistan is that I would write, um, and and there I didn't have a schedule, obviously, right? Because you're in a war zone. So it's kind of tough to really schedule things out and commit to the extracurriculars while you're there. Um, But I would occasionally just like write reflections, right? You're learning a lot about life when you're over there in a place like that. And so I was like, you know, I want to capture some of this wisdom, some of these things that I'm learning, which I I need to do now um, in this time of engagement too. I've thought about that a lot recently, but um when i was in afghanistan i write reflections and i just had like an email group that i would send it out to and i did that in college as well in a certain uh certain sense like i would have uh for a while there some of you will remember this some of you og some of you old nathan Cranefield homies is i used to have the the text groups with like i would send bible verses out for people to read and like text reflections like to 80 people and one of the people who, who would get those was andrew schiller who went to McDaniel college was ROTC with me and he started doing, it. he still does it he has a Facebook group where he will, you know, send out Bible verses and reflections and stuff like that. So hit me up if you want to be a part of that because it was really helpful. And it's one thing that I kind of miss doing. And I would love for SE to do that like down the road, especially like partnered with Hallow, because it was just like such a good reminder for people. And like so many people were reading scripture, at least they were telling me they were because of that. And I was deep in it too. Cause I had, I mean, when you have that responsibility to do that, it's huge. And it's something that, I share that and I'm going to go on a bunch of different tangents throughout this, but I share that because it's something that is so small and you could do that with three to five people, especially if you're a beginner and you're looking for ways like how can I impact other people's lives spiritually, right? Like recognizing that evangelization isn't for the few and the selected or whatever, like we're all called to that. What are some simple ways that you can evangelize? Like those are it, you know, like I just tried things and would see if people wanted to read them or do them or participate with me, whatever it was. And so that's what you want to do, right? Like you, you got to start in those small kind of creative ways and really pray about it. Like that was something that came to me during prayer. And I, I mean, Jesus is the Lord, right? Mary is the queen of heaven. She's the queen of the church. Uh, like they realize that there's a lot of work to be done. So if you come to them and you're like, hey, use me, they're quick to do so, right? Like you've probably experienced that. I know like Sister Lisa Valentini would be in the Dominican Republic or something, right? There's always so much to do. That. If you came to Sister and you were like, Sister, what can I do to help? she never failed to give you a task, right? (laughs) She was almost never like, oh, there's not much, you know, to be like, why don't you go take a break? Because there's always so much to do. And so, you know, our God is like that too. Like he recognizes, he's the one who said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Um, So if you come to him and you say, hey, how can I help? He's going to put you to work. And so ask about that, right? Think of some of those creative things you can do. Anyway, so I started writing reflections in Exodus 90, I committed to doing it every week. And so here I am writing like a 1,000 to 2,000 words a week, which is really helpful for me and just kind of developing my, my writing ability and things like that. And um, so my friend, Bob Doherty, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, definitely go back and listen to that story. We talk about this a little bit in that podcast too, but he actually created a website for me, or um, well, for us, for Seeking Excellence. <laughs> and it's so funny, I'm looking at the Instagram now. If you scroll back at our Instagram, you can go way back to see the holy happy hour flyers we made, and the Seeking Excellence uh, logos and stuff that we had. And God bless us, man. Bob was such a trooper. Um, This is pre-Marissa Lennon, who's now in charge of all of these things. And we thought it was like the coolest thing in the world looking at this logo. And it's just like so much worse than what we have now. Um, But it is still cool. I still love it, love looking back on it and like seeing how we kind of started and uh, how things kind of evolved, right? And our like first meet the team posts and all those things. And just the Holy Happy Hour posts and things like that. It's awesome. But um, a lot of work, a lot of progress went into that. And, and so Bob just like laid the foundations and really started the, the website. And I was pumped. And so luckily, because I had been writing every week, we had enough blogs to kind of archive, right, to have some on the website and then also have enough for the next few weeks to not have to stress about writing every single week like indefinitely. And so that was really helpful and really cool. And so I started reaching out to guest bloggers, started planning more of the Holy Happy Hours and this is all during quarantine, right? Where like nobody knows what's happening in the world, <laughs> what's going to go down for the next year. And so that's why it's crazy to think that it's a year ago. But we started doing all these things and, and it was awesome, right? And so that was kind of like what got us to the beginning. So those are like the beginnings, the foundations. And so as we get to our year mark down in August, that's why I really kind of consider our foundations and, and really our, our beginnings. That's when we became a nonprofit. That's when started the podcast is when we did everything else, it's like August 22nd. Um, but this is kind of our early, I call this, you know, like our quasi founding is, is April. So it's almost been a year. And so that's kind of what gets us to today's theme, right? So the, the cool thing about um, what we started was with doing those events right after Easter last year is I called them, uh, it was our life after Lent series. And so I want to do something like that this year as well. We've thought about doing a holy happy hour. And so we're still like heavily considering that um, and talking about that with the team this week. And we'd love to do that because it's awesome. Um, and, <laughs> and I love drinking bourbon and talking with dope people about awesome topics. And so I'm thinking about doing that soon as well. But first, I just want to do some podcasts and, and we can always obviously get on the podcast really easily. And so I want to kind of hit some themes on that with uh, the Life After Lent series and why I, I created that series why I named it that, and why I think that's so important, especially in regards to seeking excellence. So one, I think it's one of the core thing, parts of our philosophy. I had to explain this to the team um, a couple months ago because I think that it's so important, right? And so when Lent comes around, every, every Catholic ministry and their mother, right, wants to do something for Lent. Come check out our Lent program, our Lent videos, things like that. And, and I think that it's great. And this isn't like a critique of any of those things. I participated in several of them this year. I did the August Institute uh, formed, Daily reflections and Father Myers. Obviously, listen to Father Jonathan Meyer. Um, his reflections every day, uh, which are really cool. My mom loved him, uh, his videos and things like that. He's awesome. Obviously, that's why he's on our board, and uh, he's my dude. And so, love that, and and love what everybody does. But I think it was a an early mistake that we almost made to say, what should seeking excellence do during Lent? And the reason why I say that is because. Like life after Lent is how we began and life after Lent is what we're about because seeking excellence is is literally for the ordinary time, right? So like seeking excellence, what we're about is we're about the uh, the, the almost the mundane, right? The, norma- like the normal things, the everyday stuff, the doing a little bit each day so that eventually your life can be transformed and you can become a new creation. Like you can be totally new, like a whole nother level, right? Like that's what we're talking about here. I don't necessarily, I'm not anti, of course, obviously the people who go hard during Lent or Advent and then do nothing else for the rest of the year. I'm not against those people. Like they they can listen and stuff too, but I want to talk to the people, even if it's a smaller group, to the people who are like, no, I want to be serious about this. I want to be serious about my life. I want to be serious about excellence and excellence. You know, this is, this is, I mean, one of our, one of our core phrases, right? One of the core uh, quotes that our philosophy is centered around is, the Aristotle quote, right, of uh, we are what we habitually do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit, right? So excellence, therefore, is not a 40-day challenge, but a lifestyle. And so it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have 30-day, 40-day, 90-day challenges. We will, and we do, right? Like, I believe in those things, but I want to do the things that are going to continue on after, right? Like, that's what we want to get at the heart at, of like, if I'm preparing you for Lent next year, I want you to think about what are the things that you can do that you're going to continue doing after? How's this going to impact your life after Lent? What's going to continue for you? Not let's have this big spike between Ash Wednesday and Easter and then just crash for the rest of the year. That's, that's whack to be. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be a part of anything like that. And I think that there's a lot of programs out there for Lent that, that set you up to succeed for the rest of the year. And so I'm not saying that, that Lent programs don't do that. Um, but I think there's enough out there for Lent. What I think people lack is, okay, Easter just happened, or especially like, okay, I did just have my best Lent ever. I did just have an awesome 40 days. Now what, right? Like we can't just drop off, right? We can't just like fit, like fall to the wayside. So, so now what do you do? That's the big question. So that's what I want to talk about today is I think there's two things, right? Um, you can either regress or you can plateau. or Three options. You can regress, plateau, or continue to climb, right? Those are kind of the three, three directions you can go after you have a good or a bad Lent. If I'm being honest with you, my Lent was very uh, mediocre this year compared to the Lent that I've had in the past. Uh, just being, not being able to walk still, I, I finally am down to being able to use one crutch some of the time, um, but still physical therapy three times a week and everything like that. So my Lent was really just kind of hitting back on the basics. I was getting back into scripture, praying in the mornings, reading uh, as much as I could and trying to write more often. And I did that successfully for the most part. It definitely wasn't as successful as I would have liked it to have been. Um, but all in all, I definitely am in a much better place now than I was 45 days ago, or however, you know, however long it was. And so I think that's important, right? So let's think about uh those three things and, and fear of the plateau is kind of what I wanted to title this one because um it's one of my favorite phrases that goes back to my high school days, right? So when I was in high school, I had this basketball trainer, um <laughs> Stephen Green and Blake Hamilton. I'm giving a lot of shout outs today. They'll probably never hear this, but uh, they, had this, they ran this company called Find a Baller and um, it was awesome. But the phrase of Find a Baller was always fear the plateau because athletes like Christians, like marriages, like finances, like whatever it might be in your life, your physical fitness. Oftentimes we, like I said, have these surges, have these rises, and then we plateau. Then we kind of even out. Right. And so how can we avoid that? How can we best avoid that in our lives? Well, their philosophy was that you should, you ought to fear it and not fear it like you're trembling, right? Every day when you show up to practice, but fear it is, as in like, I really want to avoid this, right? Like I, I I recognize when you fear something when you actually have fear of it, right? Like, Or, or what they kind of meant by that is like acknowledging that it, it's a possibility for you and allowing that reality and the negative feelings that come from realizing that that's a possibility, allowing those feelings to, urge you forward to push you forward to fight harder to practice harder to train harder to push yourself to be your best and fulfill your potential right and so obviously i'm all about that being your best like that's what we want to see and so when you think about that each day as you approach your life in all these different categories right so we have the seven pillars mental emotional physical financial professional social and spiritual how can i be my best today in all of those areas that's to be the question that we ask every day and then at the end, every night, every morning, we should ask those questions. And every, every night, we should reflect on, you know, did I do it today? Like, did I crush it today? Did I leave it all out there? Just like an athlete reflects on their game and watches their game tape, just like a soldier, uh, especially a platoon leader or squad leader or team leaders, reflect on how did I just do in that mission? How did my team perform? What could I have done better? What did I do well? That's what we should be reflecting on each day as well, right? If we're trying to grow and improve if we're leading ourselves well, so that we can better lead others in the future or currently. And so fear of the plateau. So that means that I want to fear lukewarmness, right? I want to fear being mediocre. I want to fear um, just kind of not growing and, and becoming stagnant in my life, right? Like you've ever seen stagnant water when it just kind of turns green and gross and disgusting and there's all kind of bacteria and stuff in it. It's awful, right? Versus if you see like a a river, right? Like you see like a rushing river and you see like there's this power there, there's beauty, it's awesome, right? Like you love that. Like don't become stagnant. What there's a lot of people you meet them and you know, right? Like this person's stagnant, they're like they're not moving, they're not growing towards anything. It's not, it's not a good thing, and it's not, it's no way to live your life, it's no way to um, find passion and joy and fulfillment in your life. And so you want to avoid you wanna avoid that. And we want to fear the plateau. So, really, I think one of the best ways to do that is to think about like what what areas of your life if you consider those right the, all the areas i just told you about like where are you the most stagnant right like be be real with yourself be honest like at the end of lent like did my spiritual life like did i grow if i grew like how did you grow think about that how did you grow this lent what did you do well and what you said you were going to commit to and what did you do poorly did you push yourself hard so that it was a difficult 40 days or was it pretty easy and you realized you kind of settled for some softness? What that you did during Lent, can you continue doing as you go forward? And what did you learn about yourself this Lent, right? Okay, so that like, think about your spiritual life in that way. What's your prayer life like? Is, what's your prayer life like now compared to what it was like last year? Obviously, the pandemic and everything, the lockdowns, last year was funky, so it's it's hard to gauge, but even think two years ago, right? Like, are you in better or worse spiritual shape than you were a year or two years ago? What about physically? What about your mental health? How have you grown or changed in your mental health practices, your better understanding of yourself, your learning of what, you know, triggers you to being angry, to what causes, you know, negative emotions, to being able to express your emotions? How about your emotional health? Uh, Think about your physical fitness. Are you better or worse shape than you were a year or two years ago? Are you at where you want to be? Are you growing and striving each day or four days a week or whatever it might be, actively trying to get better? Is your diet better or worse than it was 30 days ago? What about your sleep? Are you sleeping better or worse? Right? All right. What about your learning? Have you learned a lot in the last year? Are you actually living the, the lifestyle of a lifelong learner? and growing and reading books and listening to podcasts and things that help you to develop and grow and educating yourself? How has your social awareness changed over the last year? What have you? What social issues have you dedicated yourself to learning more about? Could be American history, it could be racism, could be the pro-life movement, could be any of these things. How are you being involved and engaged as a citizen in informing yourself of what's going on around you and how your faith should impact what's going on around you and how you should react to it? financially have you plateaued financially is your net worth the same that it was a year ago do you not even know the answer to that question what are your biggest holes your biggest leaks in your budget so this is what i'm talking about when you talk about fearing the plateau it says i'm afraid that i'm not gonna that i'm gonna kind of even out right so a plateau obviously looks like something that is a sharp incline and then evens out so i'm afraid of that happening in my life Right? Because that's not what I'm called to. Why am I afraid of that? Because that's not what God created me for. God didn't die, Jesus didn't die on the cross for me to be average, for me to be a mediocre version of myself. Right? So God's calling me to be greater and to be better all the time. Jesus tells us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We're called to be good stewards of everything that we have. And so I want to challenge myself to say, okay, how am I doing this? Right? And sometimes I need to kick in the butt, sometimes I need to pat in the back, sometimes I need to take some time off. But generally speaking in in the long run that's why we want to look at the big picture right look over the last year last 30 days last 90 days and say okay where am I kind of getting stagnant where am I you know getting too comfortable am I pushing myself okay now the other thing like I said the other option that you have is regressing a lot of people are going to do this right the majority of Catholics are going to and Christians are going to get past Easter and then it's like you just kind of forget about it. You have a great holy week or even a decent holy week. And then it's kind of like Easter happens and it's like, all right, boom. Now we can go back to, to chilling and being, being lukewarm. Now, this should be our greatest fear of all. Because regressing looks like somebody who goes on a quick little diet, but doesn't change their lifestyle, right? So that's why a lot of, you speak to a lot of nutritionists or you learn more about a lot of those people who are much more practical and aren't just trying to make money off of you. Right. Because a lot of the diets and fads and trends and stuff like that, like they're just trying to make money off people, sell books and sell programs. But your nutritionists or your, your physical trainers and things like that. When we talked to uh, Natalie Reather back in January about fitness, like the reason why she hates all of those things is because you want to develop a healthy lifestyle, not just see if you can go on a two week diet. Right. Like going, doing a four day juice cleanse is cool, but it's not as cool as living the next four years of your life in a healthy manner a generally healthy manner doesn't mean that you never eat dessert doesn't mean that you never drink alcohol doesn't mean that you never splurge a little bit but generally are you heading in the right direction are you trending in the right direction are you active are you healthy are you being conscious about getting your fruits and vegetables being conscious and intentional about sleeping well that's what you want to create right and so you don't want to be one of these people who start something and then never finish right And, and just kind of go on these like splurges and try to say all right well, I just ate unhealthy for five years and now I'm going to try to lose all the weight that I want in two months. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that, right? And a lot of people do the same thing with their finances. You do the same thing with your spiritual life. You try to binge it. We live in this binge culture. We live in this culture of, I want to be able to change everything overnight, right? We call it the microwave mentality of, I don't want to have to like get up and and cook dinner and go shopping and do all these things. I want to buy something frozen and microwave and have dinner in 15 minutes, right? Like that's, that's just kind of where we're at because everything's so easy. And we just want to be able to like, just crush everything in a short period of time. And that's not how excellence works, right? Like it's just not built that way. Just not how God made the rules. Like we can be you can be mad about it. You can try to push back on it. But these hacks and stuff like that don't work. They don't work long-term, which is like fulfillment, purpose, and passion on stuff is long-term. It's a long-term game. Virtue is a long-term game. Holiness is a long-term game. Christianity is a long-term game. So you can't do these little like quick. I'm going to, you know, hack the system and life hacks and stuff like that for these things. No, no, no. For having a strong family and a strong marriage, that's a long game. So you can't just hack the system, right? Building a ministry, building a business, whatever it is, right? Like developing your life, developing your career, like you can't do that stuff overnight. It's going to take time. You got to pour in a a little bit over time each and every day. And so I've been thinking about that a lot, right? So that's kind of what we're about. I encourage people here, you know, Seeking Excellence is about doing a little bit each day so that over time you develop and you build something that's incredible. Right. And th- that thing that you're building, you know, is, is your life, right? Like you're giving your gift back to God is the life that you create. You know, mother Teresa talks a lot about that. It's the best thing we can give to God is a, a beautiful life, doing small things with great love consistently over time. And so I, I realized how much people I've been thinking, I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, man, that impacts ministry so much. This microwave mentality and quick fixes and things like that. Like I I was just really reflecting on how much people don't like doing that in, in the church, because I think, I think one of my, you know, the things that, that God's really been revealing to me, I feel like over the last year or so is all these ways that a lot of the secular mindsets and philosophies and teachings, and, and I don't know if you can call them secular values that the, that our society has now. um, But how much those things really have crept, crept into the church and how much they impact us. And so this is one that I think really impacts us because I think about all the people who I've seen in the church who start podcasts or they start blogs or they start a ministry or whatever. And then, it, you know, a Instagram page, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then it fizzles out. Happens all the time, right? Like I see it all the freaking time. <laughs> and I remember, you know, one of the things that I'd hoped that was part of my vision and my hope for Seeking Excellence was that we were going to be able to have we're going to be able to be a place for those people who start blogs and never finish them to say, Hey, I want to write. Sometimes I want to be a part of something, but I don't want to write every week. And I get that because I've written every week and it's hard, but you know, if you like, so my thought was, well, why don't we just bring those people together and instead of having to write every week, you write every four weeks, or you write every six weeks and it just kind of fizzled out, right? Like we're still struggling to get consistent guest writers and things like that. And consistency is big if you're trying to build anything, any, any brand, any blog, any podcast, whatever, you have to have some level of consistency, right? So it doesn't behoove them to not be a part of a team because if you're not a part of a team then you're only posting every three weeks or whatever, you're not really going to build anything. But then when you are a part of a team, you only have to do a little, not you know be completely on you. And then people are not motivated to do anything. So either way, what I'm finding with some of these people is that either way, you're not motivated. Right? Like, I think if you, if you cross out, if you look at it and you say, all right, well, first you weren't motivated because you didn't have the time to, or you weren't willing to make the time to write every week. Then we gave you an opp- opportunity or an option to say, okay, what if you wrote every six weeks and you still weren't motivated to do that? So now what's the reason? Like, what's the cause? And this isn't a shot at, at any of our guest writers or anybody that's doing the blogs or things like that. But this is a reality check. I think that all of us have to go through and I have to do it with myself all the time. Right. So I say, okay, I'm going to start um, whatever, praying more during this way, or I'm going to start going to the gym more once I can walk on run crutch, right? Like when you make those promises or you change something, if you start something and you identify and you, you put the blame on some, some cause, right? So if, like in this case, I'm saying that people put the blame and say, well, I can't write every week or I can't podcast every week or I can't, you know, uh, go to the gym every day. Or I can't do this every day. But when I get to this time in my life, or if I remove this obstacle, then I'll do it. Well, if you remove that obstacle and you still don't do it, then it might be a more internal problem than it is an external problem. It might be an intrinsic motivation, inspiration, discipline issue than it is external forces that are holding you back from doing that. And a lot of times we don't want to be real with ourselves and like acknowledge that, right? And say, okay, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm the one who did this. Maybe I'm the one who's making excuses and not being hard on myself uh, to just challenge myself and push myself and do things that make me uncomfortable. So you have to think about that. What are the real causes of why you're not doing what you're called to do? And if you feel like you've prayed about these things and God called, if God leads you away from things, which happens, then yeah, you take some time off or you don't do it or whatever, you stop. And I'm not telling you to finish everything or if you start something, you have to do it for the next three years. But I'm saying that if you have a gift in writing or speaking or whatever it is, that you should use that gift. And that might be in writing, like I talked about earlier, uh, scripture reflections that you only send out to five people. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go big. But too often people are saying that, you know, I've talked with so many ministry people and, and Catholics who say, well, why does something have to be big? Why do you have to structure something so that it can be big? It doesn't have to be, but you have to do something. Like too many people say, well, I'm just kind of free flowing and I'll just do whatever God leads me to do or whatever. And they just do nothing. And it's like, I'd rather at the end of my life, just like I remember being in the army, and I would had company, command, company commanders who told me this, captains who were forming us, platoon leaders who said that it's better to have squad leaders or a platoon leader who you have to pull back sometimes than one that you always have to push forward, right? Like initiative matters. Initiative is valued in war. And, and as we've been talking about for the last couple months, spiritual warfare is real. Here we are now. Like God would rather redirect, I, I believe that God would rather, I don't want to speak for him, <laughs> you know? but I truly believe that God would rather redirect your energies or guide your energies in a different direction that have to constantly be pushing you to do something. And so this is why I try to give those little examples of like sending out the scripture passages, doing a book club, doing a book study with somebody, um, you know, whatever it might be, blogging, podcasting, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is for you, meeting with somebody one-on-one to disciple them, volunteering at your local parish. Like you have to do something. There's too many people who are doing nothing. And we do nothing under the guise of, oh, like, I'm okay, or I'll get to it eventually or whatever. And it's like, guys, we got to stop that. That's what regressing looks like. That's what stagnation looks like. That's what the plateau looks like. And so we want to be afraid of that. We want to run from that. We want to be, you know, just repulsed by that. Because you'd really be amazed at how much you're capable of if you just do a little bit every day. So thinking about those things, you know, I, I know when I, I talk to some people and they're just like, yeah, I read one book last year. I read two books last year. And it's like, you know why you don't read? Because you don't read every day. You read when the mood strikes. You re- read when you feel good. You go to the gym when you feel like it. You do all these things when you feel like it. It's like, no, like create a schedule, like have some discipline. Read every day for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. Matthew Kelly hits on this all the time. Rhythm of life. Um, he talks about in the four signs of a dynamic Catholic all the time of like, okay, you don't pray at all. We'll start by praying five minutes a day. You have five minutes a day that you can sit down, and just get into some mental prayer with the Lord. Then add a minute a week until you're at 15 minutes a day, right? For 10 weeks, you don't have to rush into it. You can just start by reading a page a day or reading for five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, and then increase that over time, right? And you get into the habit of reading regularly, of praying regularly, of working out regularly. And when you get into that, then you start to build stuff, right? And then over time, you have that compound effect, just like compound interest on your finances and investing you can have millions of dollars down the road if you just, you know, invest a few hundred dollars a month now. But, and then in 50 years, it's incredible what you can create. But if you don't start now, you try to wait and you keep pushing off, pushing off, pushing off. It makes a big difference. It makes a huge impact. There's no better example of that. I mean, you read the book, The Compound Effect, um, Atomic Habits, like they talk about how the compounding of interest on your finances is the same as compounding these habits in your life, right? So when, and uh, it, it's one of my, I, I remember one of my, uh, my favorite stories of, I want to say it's Picasso, but I never remember which artist it is. I, know, I think Matthew Kelly tells a story and um, there's a bunch of, I mean, it's in a bunch of books and stuff. It's one of those classic like personal growth stories, right? And I, I was really thinking about it. I never really felt like it applied to my life until this past January. And so the story goes like this. There's some famous artist, super successful artist, um, who's in, in a diner one day. And he's just kind of doodling, like drawing on a napkin, right? And there's this lady in the table across from him who's kind of watching him every, every now and then just like glances over and, and sees what he's doing. And he finishes and it's amazing, right? It's a beautiful picture. And she's like, I, I'll buy that from you. Like, how much would you sell that for? And he says something absurd, like $20,000 or $40,000. And he's late late in his late years at this point, like in his 60s. And the lady's like, what? How? Before, tens of thousands of dollars. She's like, that took you five minutes to draw. And he's like, no, my friend, you're mistaken. This took me 40 years to draw. And so, what that means is, he's like, bro, I've been painting all the time, drawing all the time for the last, for decades now. Like, this is not something I just did overnight. I can do it so fast now because of the time I put in in the past. And I felt that way when I gave a talk um, at this this men's group back in January. It was early morning in January. And I gave a talk on St. Joseph. And I wrote the talk that morning and I feel like I procrastinate on writing talks and stuff all the time. So that's not abnormal. Um, and it was only like 20 or 30 minute talk. But I wrote it that morning and I had one of these moments where I was just like, all these things come to me when I start to write blogs or I start to you know, do these podcasts or I start to uh, you know, write my talks and things like that. And I'm just like, most people would, would look at that and be like, you came up with all that in just 20 minutes? And it's like, no, dude, this is from, I've read a, a hundred books over the last, four years, you know, more than a hundred books over the last four years. I've listened to hours and hours of podcast. You wouldn't believe the hours of podcasts I listen to every day for, for years. I listened to a podcast every single day. So most of the times, t- two of them, right. Uh, the time spent in prayer, like all of those things like compound to where it's like, now I can just sit down and just talk with you guys on this podcast with, I have four lines of notes to kind of give me a brief outline. Um, four lines of notes, most of which are, are two to five words. And so, and then you can just go off for an hour. Why? Because of that compounding interest. And it's not anything spectacular about me or anybody else who can do these things. It's just the willingness to put in that work on a regular basis. To so listen to the podcast, listen to the audiobooks, to read books, to have conversations and to seek out good people who can teach you things, to take notes, to not be embarrassed to take note, a notebook to a talk and actually write stuff down so you can actually learn something. To reflect on that later, to take it into prayer, to journal in your prayer time, um, all of those things, right? To have good conversations about these topics. It's, it's a powerful stuff that can really compound over time. So I want to encourage you to say, you know, to realize that, that you have gifts and talents, things that the Lord needs to use, uh, Lord wants to use, um, that you need to use. You need to use them more than the Lord or the world needs you to use them. I'm telling you, it is so fulfilling. It is so um, uh, just reciprocating how much you get from what you give. Right. And that's not the reason to do it. The reason to do it is try to add value to the lives of other people. But knowing that it's rewarding for you as well, because you're going to grow into a better version of you and you're going to be more joyful, more happy, more virtuous because of the fact that you're you're giving your life to a greater cause. You're putting in that time. You're actually living out the values that you claim to live by, that you claim to care about. Right. So think about those things. What, where, where are you plateauing? What have you always wanted to do that you're not doing? What have you always thought about doing that you're not doing? And I'm guilty of this as well. I'm guilty. There's things that I want to do with my money that I've been thinking about for a year that I haven't invested in, that I haven't put in, and I realize that I've lost a year, two years, three years on those investments, on that compound interest. That's that's big to, That's big money when you think about in the back end. If you look at the compound interest calculator, and you look at the graphs that they show you, like the last several years are where all the like. If you look at a 30-year, 40-year, 50-year plan, the last five years are huge right? Because the money's getting bigger. So that 10% growth on that huge money is gigantic, right? You're talking about up to tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if you can, if you can have the maturity, if you can have the understanding and ask by the grace of God to understand, okay, how can I give myself the motivation to recognize that those three years that I just lost, thinking about the value that that could be on the last three years, right? Not thinking about, oh, three years now at the beginning, what's, you know, what's ten percent on five thousand dollars like I lost five hundred dollars. no, no, no. You're, you're taking the three years from the back end. So you're, you're losing tens of thousands of dollars, right? you're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And It's the same thing that goes with your your spiritual life, with your relationships, with your friendships, with your physical fitness, all of these things. It's think about it on the back end when all that competition is happening, that's when you're gonna be missing it right you, when you could be three years ahead have you know extra hundred thousand dollars then, That's what you're missing out on now by procrastinating and not starting. That's what you're missing out on now by just going hard in your spiritual life during Easter. And the craziest part is that you don't even know that you're going to have those three years at the end. So you might have just wasted two or three years of the 40 years of your life. We only get to live on this earth once in eternities forever. So it's worth making those sacrifices, getting, getting your ish together, right? Getting your life together so that you can actually live the life that God's calling you to live. Fear the plateau more than anything else in your life. Fear that plateau and think about it. Take some of these questions to heart, reflect on them, pray about them. Think about the things that you need to grow, that you need to change and how you can push yourself. Life after Lent began on Easter Sunday. And so this is the ordinary time. This is the time for excellence. This is the time when you have to make the decisions when nobody's watching you. That's what determines who you're going to be. That's what determines who you are. The person that you're going to be five, 10 years from now, you're making those decisions now. The person you're going to be when you're married. I I realize that now in this time of engagement, the, the man I'm going to be when I'm married, every decision that I make now is preparing me for my wedding day. How close I'm going to be to God in my prayer life. If I choose to pray today or not, to go to the chapel or not, to go to confession or not, to open the scripture or not, to pray with Emily or not, that's what's going to affect our marriage. It's now that I make those decisions. Not today, not the wedding day, trying to pray that day and and hope that there's some altar switch that's going to be miraculous and make me into the man I want to be. But the decisions that we make now are what's going to set us up next year so that when I ask you those questions again next year after Easter, you'll be able to say, damn, this last year has been crazy. This last year has been wild, transformational. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm, I'm, I'm who I want to be or I'm getting so much closer to who I want to be and how I want to live. I have a lot to change. I know you do as well. So let's start to get after it. Go out there, continue to fight hard. And as always, be your best.